Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hey, everybody, Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us, if you're listening in, that means you're listening on Tiger Paw Radio, so thank you very much. Before we go any further, you know there's a lot of great educational content here designed to help you run a better business so you can sleep better at night. So hit that subscribe button right now. And I'm super excited today. Uh, one of the topics that uh, is obviously big in the world is the rate of change going on with uh, technology. And of course, that means when you look at the introduction of uh, AI, generative AI in particular, uh, when you look at uh, uh, Internet of Things, and when you look at smart buildings, we're seeing a rate of change, I feel, that I haven't seen in a long time in my technology career. And that also brings security implications. So today, super excited to have uh, Michael Gibbs join us. And if you look at his LinkedIn page, you're going to see a lot of accolades uh, and things that he's doing. He certainly makes me feel personally almost lazy, right? So both a security expert, an attorney, content specialist. And I did see a couple of the awards ranked number one globally for security thought leadership in 2022 and a host of other things. And then when I look at um, what you're actually doing, right? So a principal at Gibbs uh, Consulting, uh, senior corporate security advisor with Cardinal Point Strategies, senior advisor uh, for Network Contagion Research Institute, and a member of the Board of Advisors for Cook & Associates. And I could probably go on with more of those. So <laughs> without further ado, um, I'll let you introduce yourself for audience because nobody knows you better than yourself. Well, thank you, Wes. And first, thank you for having me on your show. It's an honor. Um, that was a pretty good description of what I do. Um, just a little bit of my background. You're right. I started off as an attorney. Um, and I worked on death penalty cases, and that's how I got interested in security. I didn't like being a lawyer. I, I went over to the journalism side of the house. I was editor of Security Management Magazine for ASIS for a number of years. Then I became um, head of strategic operations. I created the CSO Roundtable, which is now the CSO Center. And then I uh, eventually became uh, chief global uh, knowledge and learning officer in charge of Back to the magazine, <clears throat> CSO Center, certification, standards and guidelines, learning, and I was the chief security officer for ASS. So, yes, I like to get my hands in a lot of things. <laughs> I, I left there a few years ago. All, all good. I still work with ASIS a lot. Since then, I've, I've started my own consultancy where I, do, I help companies with business development. I help them develop content, thought leadership. I even do some... Um, you know, hardcore, you know, um, you know, down in the dirt security things like insider threat investigations, insider threat, um, like risk assessment, um, social media monitoring things, looking for disinformation threats on, you know, threats arising from the social media landscape that may turn kinetic or may turn into a cyber threat. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely busy. I like to get involved in a lot of things and, you know, the, I think that's plenty to start, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, really. And uh, so glad you're here today. And like I said, this is one of those topics that I've been thinking about, you know, quite a bit lately, right, is this blending of, you know, security as we start to look at uh, devices. You can remember in the past when 
uh, even CCTV cameras weren't necessarily that smart, right? But it seems like everything is an IoT device now, right? Everything has a chip, everything is integrated either in the cloud or the near edge or the edge, and we've got these different models changing. So I wonder if you can maybe talk, uh, first of all, with the rise of IoT devices and smart buildings and stuff, do you see the role of physical security evolving to encompass uh, cybersecurity concerns as well? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And yes, you make a great point about everything being on IoT, everything being um, uh, IP enabled. And there's a good reason for that. Obviously, it puts everything on one system. You can share information. You know, a, a surveillance video can inform an alarm. It can inform an access control system, blood, um, uh, identity and access management system. But more than that, you can compile the data. All these devices pull amazing amounts of data together that just that just sits there. No one knows what to do with it. And we're just starting to figure out what to do with it. And when you combine it, you, you see trends, you can optimize operations, you could see trends across you know, a, a, an office, a, a floor, a facility, um, an enterprise, a region, and you start using that, leveraging that, not only for security benefits and efficiencies, but maybe even to drive revenue or, or, or find new sources of business. So that's why it's really, really important. I mean, the data itself and then the, the system itself, yes, to communicate, but there, there's more to it than that. And But it also is much more vulnerable. When everything's on the internet, anything can be attacked now physically, but also you could be on the other side of the world and it's easier to attack it. It's um, the, the the risks are lower, you know, attacking it online and you'll, it's unlikely that you'll be you'll be found. Um, you don't put yourself in personal risk. So yes, people in physical security and cybersecurity at the intersection are definitely aware of the um, the physical physical security cybersecurity relationship and the risks of okay you can um, hack into physical security systems now because they're on the internet so you see that happen fairly often um, someone hacks into a camera system because the password was left on password someone takes control someone takes control of you know of of computers um they they have um you know to as a source of, of uh, computing power right they can get into um you know access control systems um and so some of these physical security systems are being used to protect i mean they protect the enterprise they protect a facility right but now they're also protecting their, themselves you know so you might have a camera, you know, on the access control system, not just to say, okay, that person is who they said they were, right? So we can match the picture with the um, person coming in, but it's to see if there's any, you know, any kind of shenanigans going on with the access control system. Like you see somebody like uh, forcing the door opening or propping it open or some other, you know, someone who has a credential that's not a card or you know something has been falsified so there's all sorts of um ways the two interact so um yeah that's that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg yeah i've, I've done a little bit of learning on my own I actually curated um, an e-guide talking about computer vision and some of the ways that ai is you know impacting that as well right for some of the physical security systems um and doing that curation i learned a lot but one of the things that really struck me was 
the advances and like you said just the the treasure trove of data uh, of information that now has uh, both positive benefit uh, and then also the potential for you know nefarious ways right and that kind of leads me to this i guess which is if we do have these changes what are some of the most pressing security challenges facing organizations as they try to merge both their physical and cybersecurity efforts? First of all, there has to be some sort of impetus to merge it. I think that's probably the biggest issue. Now, why does anyone do anything in security? There are really three reasons, right? There's compliance, there's some mandate somewhere. Well, there's no mandate anywhere that I really know of in any industry for for um, organizational convergence. Um, there, there are cyber standards or physical standards, but there's no there's no mandate anywhere. Um, maybe there's some in the federal government somewhere, but not that I'm aware of. Um, or the board requires it. Well, the board's not going to require. The board is looking at cybersecurity. Physical security doesn't fall very high, and there's, there, you know, there's really there's no reason to do it. It's it's reorganization. It's a cost, and then um, you know, it's for some cost benefits, right? Or or some efficiencies. Well. There's not necessarily enough proof out there that, you know, say, are we going to go through this whole operation? We're going to create one physical cyber department right under one head, maybe reporting to a chief risk officer. It's like, well, who else has done that and what have they got out of it? And there are organizations that have done it, but it's hard to show necessarily the value, right? It's like, so why do we want to take on this other burden? Everything's working as it is, or it's working well enough. Or um, So there's a lot of inertia. And I'm seeing that, and I should go back that I did a survey for ASIS back in 2019 across a thousand different enterprises. And we looked at companies in the United States, Europe, and India. And we measured the level of convergence of physical, cyber, and business continuity. Oh, so wow. Those, back those then. three areas, yeah. Because business continuity is tied into both. And sometimes business continuity is embedded in physical or it's embedded in cyber, or there's two different departments, like one's business continuity, one's resilience or something. Um, and so it's, you know, it's kind of a, uh, it's like a mishmash of different relationships. Well, overall, there was something like 24% convergence of physical and cyber across the whole universe, all industries, all regions, all sizes. And even though I was one of the authors of the report, I don't hundred percent believe the results. Now the numbers are the numbers, <laughs> right? And we were very, very careful about how we asked and how we define convergence. But I guarantee you, if I walk around and I go to a hundred different companies, twenty-five of them aren't going to say they're converged. I mean, and you know, even though we were careful to say convergence doesn't mean you have someone that the two people talk, right? Or that there's some common policies and procedures or whatever. You know, convergence is X, how we define it. It was pretty, you know, pretty integrated departments. So, you know, I'm just struggling with that a little bit. And then a follow-up survey was done just last year by another group working for the ASS Foundation. And they found that the number had ticked up a bit. I think it was maybe from 24 to 27. So to them, it showed, you know, there's been a lot of talk about convergence that that you know, it's actually moving the needle. You know, all the talk is not just talk; that there's moving in that direction. You know, I think the number is still the st statistically like insignificant. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not going to try to throw out, um, you know, um, 
uh, the, the research was good that they did. So I've no, you know, I have no qualms about that. It's just that my experience in real life doesn't match the results. And it may be that, so a lot of the, the um, those numbers are driven at the very high end, the, the very large corporations on one end, right? And then the small ones on the other. Well, the small ones, this is one person doing everything. So it's kind of integrated, right? Or oh, sure. Yeah. And the big ones, like, they've already thought through this. They have the resources to put it in it. And in the middle, it's the numbers are smaller. So, and then it, it differs also by industry. Like, you don't really see too many converged security departments in colleges and universities because they have campus police. The campus police aren't doing cybersecurity, right? right. <laughs> Same thing with hospitals. Hospitals have <clears throat> like HIPAA on one side, and then they have uh, other folks who are doing uh, JACO stuff, you know, the Joint Commission Standards for Hospitals for maintaining your qualifications and um, uh, uh, licensing as a hospital. And that's the physical security side. So, you know, regulations dictate a lot of this stuff. On the other hand, financial institutions, which are used to doing ERM, enterprise risk management, holistic risk, tend to be a little bit more converged. They they kind of know how to work together. Um, not like, it's not like there's 100% convergence, but the numbers might've been higher, like 30% or something like that. So, um, so I know I've got around this, around this, you know, in <laughs> a roundabout way, but there's a lot of numbers out there. And whenever I tell people the numbers and they they say to me, really? Because I haven't seen too many at all. And I can name a few off the top of my head, but I could also name a few that went the other way. I can name a few that, oh yeah, they used to be converged. And then, you know, now they've gone their separate ways. I can give you many reasons why they're not converged. Besides, there's no impetus. The, diff- the cultures are different. The people's backgrounds are different, right? You got the old school, like the typical, these are, Stereotypes, but you know the the ex cop on the one side, great at investigations, um, maybe a good people person, not a tech um, guy, not a tech guy can do you know investigations, interviewing that kind of stuff. The tech person, they can't speak to people, you know, they don't know any of the psychology, but they're great with the you know you know coding and you know and and, and stuff like that. Different philosophies. One guy comes in with a suit. The other person's coming in, you know, with you know, t-shirt, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. um, the policies, procedures, of the skill sets are different. You know, so it's like who knows all this stuff? There's, it's very hard to find a person who knows everything. And just one more example, and I'll stop talking. Yeah, yeah, go for it. There's if you look at the job market for security trainers in a company, so someone who will. Um, uh, train staff on looking for phishing attacks, on malware, on you know, on cyber hygiene. There's a lot of those jobs out there. Now you look for a trainer on the physical side. You arguably, you know, physical. It's like you know, it's life and death, right? I mean, you should have someone doing the physical side. I was looking for one converged role where they do that. I've asked around. Like, no, there's just not that attention. Everyone's on the cyber side. So, if companies would hire one person couple of people, a small department, that would do, I think that would do wonders. Someone who could sort of transcend, you can can have one foot in both of those worlds. And like, oh, there's no people, there's nobody like that. But there's a lot of people like that. You yeah. don't have to know how to code the stuff. You don't know how necessarily have to do the investigation yourself. 
you just have to be familiar with it, know the people, respect the people, and understand it and be able to talk in both languages. I remember one time early on, I was working for an organization that did software uh, for basically user management and uh, print behavior. So it would kind of forensically allow you to see if uh, somebody um, printed a document and then took it away. So you remember the reality winner story, you know, where she uh, basically printed some stuff off and you know, tucked it into her clothes and then off she went with this stuff. Well, they they traced her back because of, you know, different things that the software allowed them to see, right? And I ran into a guy who's a good friend of mine now. We both serve on a board together. And when I first met him, I was like, wow, like your company must be nobody because I've never seen you out there. And he laughed and he goes, how many enterprise accounts do you deal with? And I said, well, like maybe two. He goes, well, 100% of my accounts are enterprise accounts. And it just, it hit me. It's like, oh, like, like we're doing the same thing, but for completely different customers, right? And that when you break it up for those that are, you know, more interested in sort of this uh, merging, this convergence, that's going to change. So I appreciate that thought. Um, the second thing that it tells me is, and I've seen it before in other things, mm -hmm. is that even though we're seeing it, uh, large organizations uh, tend to do things. Another example I can give you is that I came up with a, a print model, which instead of being cost per page was actually by the seats. In other words, marrying up with how managed IT providers do it. And I was at a conference where dealers telling me it would never fly. And then there was a senior executive from HP in the back of the room. He put his hand up and said, we do it this way for probably 70% of our enterprise customers today or something like that, right? I can't remember what the stat was, but it's just really interesting. And that uh, a study like that, which you put out, um, obviously it's pretty good to give it that contextualization, right? Saying, look, averages are averages. We're seeing more activity in these different, you know, kind of areas, right? And of course, uh, mid-market as it always is when, uh, one of two things I think asked at me, tell me if I'm wrong, enough people get burned. So there's enough incidents <laughs> of occurrence. <laughs> and uh, secondly, that there's just some wild, you know, kind of uh, organization, maybe a company that comes up with an offering that kind of encompasses everything, right? Yes. So, you know, those kind of things tend to shift, uh, you know, directions, right? That's true, though. I've seen companies try to create markets that seem like a good idea. And they just don't get the foothold, you know, and even though it seems like a great idea and it's like people just don't go to it for it. And then other ones where it's like, it doesn't seem like the most efficient way of doing it or, and it, and it, and people just, you know, it works, you know, or, or people buy into it. So yeah, you're right. It's, um, you know, the, the, a product can change, you know, how things are done as well or how things are um, uh, approached. Um, yes. And uh, in the interest of time, um, you know, just to to kind of move into ensuring that those that are doing this, that the stakeholders within an organization are aware of the importance of, of this more holistic approach to security um, that includes both physical and security, what kind of advice would you maybe have, you know, for them uh, and for the stakeholders? Yeah, I'm a big um, fan, as I said, of integrated security training. You're doing this you know, training on phishing attacks anyway, you're doing cyber hygiene, how to, you know, use your laptop when you're home, especially in the hybrid world. Um, there's so much more of that now. It's like, okay, what to download, what not to download, um, you know, uh, policies on, you know, when uh, on software updates and things like that, um, clean desk policies, not sharing your computer. It's not that much more difficult um to integrate training like personal protection 
um, you know, when you should call for a um, an escort to your to your the parking lot. Um, signs of uh, potential violence in the workplace. Somebody who might be, you know, all of a sudden their demeanor has changed. Now they're a lot more angry or resentful, or they they had some, you know, th- there's lots of behaviors that that um, that um, that sync up with you know potential threat. Um, other things like that, you know, protection of you know of of um, of company property. Um, even you know locking your doors when you're at home and things like that and other physically secure practices i think they should be married together yet you hardly ever see that as a matter of fact you hardly ever see any physical security training at all if you're lucky yeah it's sent a video and i mean a lot of videos are good don't get me wrong um but as long as they've got to be interactive they got to be engaging yes. and they should be kind of not fun but something that it's like it's not a drag to do like i'm a big fan of like uh augmented reality um you kind of hey let's let's try out the um fire evacuation plan and i've got this app that kind of simulates where a fire would be on the floor and now i have to you know walk outside and keep you know keep away from that fire or you know oh this door is warm or whatever um, I've got that indication on this on this app on my phone, and I have to follow a specific path that I've identified. And oh no, I can't get that way because there's you know there's smoke. Now where do I go? Things like that. Um, and it's not it's, these things aren't you know cost prohibitive by any means, but we haven't seen it yet, and it's it's kind of disturbing to me because we're seeing in the wake of so we're seeing two two factors in the wake of um, COVID. One is like everything has got hybrid. So the insider threat, cyber attacks have spiked. That's been documented. But we're also seeing high crime on the streets. And a lot of people don't want to go back to work. Um, city centers, they haven't really bounced back yet. And there's certain smaller cities where they still seem kind of scary and people don't want to work and leave their cars there. Um, that's part of the reason, you know, uh, Companies don't want to <laughs> demand that people come back into the office. Um, so there's, you know, there's there's street crime and there's, you know, even near me, I've been living in a peaceful neighborhood. And my gosh, we have, um, you know, I used to have the lowest crime rate. And now it seems like every day there's a carjacking or somebody stole a car um, and smashed into someone and parked and ditched the car right in front of my house the other day. I mean, so... Physical threats are going up. Cyber social threats are going up because of division in society, um, uh, you know, politically and culturally. So you've got physical cyber and cyber social, and we're not putting them all together. And we should. I'm not sure anyone why anyone's not doing that. I think it's because no one has really a holistic look. Or I would say, I'd say nobody. There are some companies that do and that do a good job of it. And I'm not criticizing any particular company or any. CSO, people are handcuffed by their policies, right? So I'm sure there are CSOs who want to do this, but, you know, they've got to live to fight another day, right? They're lucky if they get their budget request for X, Y, or Z. So that that's where I see, that's what I would do. And that's where I see the challenge being. Yeah. And, and you know, there's an example that came to mind when you talked about the carjackings, right? Is that we've seen a real uptick 
um, in the area that I live in vehicles being stolen um, because of, uh, again, because of all the integrated technologies, they're actually breaking into these cars using computer code, not, uh, you know, the typical pin and lock and everything else, right? So they figure out a master code to be able to get the doors open, uh, to be able to start the engine because it's all app driven, right? So a particular, uh, you know, type of car is being targeted uh, more than others because of that, you know, vulnerability, which is in the software. So again, a physical thing, they're stealing a vehicle, but they're using basically a cyber tool uh, to be able to break into that car. And I think as we start to see more of that, you know, uh, like you said, within offices, the world's, you know, changing, right? And uh, the other thing I'll throw in there because of my business background, it's it's a question of MRR too, right? I've got a friend of mine uh, who's in the office equipment channel. His name is Jeff Bendix at Bendix Imaging. And uh, he spent most of his career running an organization that did uh, copiers and printers. And when he got into cybersecurity and physical security, people told him he was crazy, right? It's not related to what you do and everything else. But he said, look, every time, you know, that there's a printer installed, right? That that's, that's an internet device. So there's a natural, you know, lend if you're willing to talk about it. As you said, it's not that hard to have that conversation, right? So it's just a question of reminding people. So listen, and respect for your time. I, I so appreciate you doing this interview today. And if, if folks are looking to get in touch with you after the interview, uh, what's the best location to do so? Yeah, thanks. This is great. Um, they could go to my website, www.gipsinsights.com or mike at gipsinsights.com or look me up on LinkedIn, Michael Gibbs, and, and that'd be great. That's great. And I'll give another option. Uh, anyone that's watching the episode on the Tiger Paw site, you can reach out to me and I'll make sure we can get you in touch as well. And so, Michael, I cannot thank you enough for this. And uh, to everyone that is either listened in or watched today, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this education service to do is important uh, to make sure that you're doing all you can to run a better business, both for yourself and for your customers. So if you haven't done it already, make sure you go down below and subscribe, uh, like the content and share it if you think it's useful. And until next time, as I always say, Keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.